Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. I am the new spokesman for a Twin Cities family-owned company that provides outstanding plumbing, heating, and air conditioning service. How do I know this is an outstanding company? Because for 50 years, this family has been helping people to be warm and toasty in the winteries and cool and fresh in the summer seas. On the plumbing side, we solve problems like hot water not being plentiful, or nasty drain water sneaking and leaking into places it simply does not belong. Just about now, you're saying to yourself, I'll need to remember this company when the time comes. But how? I'll tell you how. Here is the name of the company you need to remember when you're too hot, too wet, too cold, or too dry. It's BWS Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Go get a pen and paper. It's spelled BWS. And as you can hear, it's also pronounced BWS Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. And yes, we also have a website. Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast. I'm Dave Young, alongside Stephen Semple. And Stephen, you made my heart just go pitter-patter because you chose a brand for this week's podcast that was invented and created in my home state of Nebraska. Yes, sir. Your home state of Nebraska. Not everybody really knows this. It's a weird thing. I'm not even sure. I knew it when I was a kid. Right, but Kool-Aid. If you say, "Hey, Kool-Aid man," that stuff was invented by a guy in Hastings, Nebraska. But you probably know all the details because you're the one that goes out and finds the details. <laughs> but I just know that it was invented in Hastings, Nebraska. In fact, there's a wing of the Hastings, Nebraska Museum that's full of Kool-Aid information. Yeah, dedicated to Kool-Aid. There's even a cool book you can get from them, and you really know you're special. I have with me here a Funko Pop Kool-Aid man. Oh, yeah. The whole toy thing. Oh, that's a beautiful thing right there. Yeah, you know, you're a big deal when that happens, right? Big, big deal. (laughs) Kool-Aid goes way back. You know, it was invented in 1927 by Edwin Perkins. And in 1953, the company was sold to General Foods. So you're a pretty big deal when General Foods comes along and buys you up. And, you know, it's really interesting how big Kool-Aid became selling like these five and... 10 cent packages of mix that you add water and sugar to. It's really quite incredible. You had to bring your own sugar and probably more expensive than the powder. Yeah, but it's a cool story. Edwin Perkins was born in Lewis, Iowa on January 8th, 1889. And he grew up in Henley, Nebraska, and he helped out in the family general store. And in the 1880s, if we go back to the 1880s, General stores were a lot more like dry goods and household items, and there was even often a post office attached to them. And usually the post office was kind of the social center for the community, you know. Dude, in Nebraska, the post office in a lot of towns still is that. Still is that, is it? Wow. Of course. I mean, and I'm talking about the tiny towns, you know, a thousand and under. That's where you run into people. And if you ever need to steal a car, go to a (laughs) post office in a small town somewhere there will be three or four cars out front with their engine running while they go in and get their mail. I just want to say that I don't condone any of these things Dave's suggesting. 
<laughs> Maybe I should say if you ever want to borrow somebody's car, you, you, you need to run over to the general store and pick up some Kool-Aid. <laughs> so this is the environment, you know, Edwin grew up in. And uh-huh. the other thing that was interesting, the stores of the day, they didn't advertise but they often promoted products in the window. So it was sort of seeing all of this that he grew up in. And one day he decided to send away for Dr. J.M. Thornburg's mixing guide, which was a guide for making toiletries and other items that he could sell. So he started making these little products that they could sell in the general store. And he saved up his money. And one of his first business ventures was he bought a small printing press. And he did these little small jobs as well as made the labels for his products. When he graduated from high school, he borrowed a couple hundred bucks from his grandmother and bought a larger press that he set up in the back of the store. And he did enough business to pay back the loan in a year. He even started a local newspaper, but it made no money at the newspaper. And in 1914, he became the postmaster. And this is when things really got going for him because as he got exposed to the mail business, he started a mail order business. And he also moved the press into the back of the post office. Was this in Hastings or was this another town that he started in? This was in Hastings. This was in Hastings, okay. Yeah, so he started to recruit boys and girls to sell products and he did it on this trust system. So he would send them the products through the mail and they would get paid when it was sold, Hmm. right? And he used the post office to send this product and his first successful product was a tobacco cure called Nixo Time Tobacco Remedy, which he advertised in the Police Gazette. Cigarettes were a real craze at this time, especially with soldiers returning from World War mm-hmm. I. So the soldiers were returning from World War I, and they had been smoking heavily, went over in Europe fighting. In fact, and we'll have it in the show notes, I have an ad that was run by the government that promoted smoking for soldiers. Oh, well, sure, I guess... What, give them something to do? It's crazy when we think about it. <laughs> so people were returning and having a hard time quitting smoking, and he created this product that helped for quitting smoking. And he needed a better location for distribution. And actually, sorry, Dave, when you said earlier, was all this being done in Hastings? This was in Henley. And then as the product grew, they moved to Hastings because he needed a place that was better distribution. Yeah, he had to go to the big town. He had to go to the big town. So then much of the family joined him. And then in 1921, he wanted to expand his products. So Edwin went to St. Louis, where he spent several months learning how to make new products, beauty products, food products, packaged goods, things along that line. And he planned on creating all these products and sell them through uh, distributors. And originally, he did it under the Oromade, on or made name. Really terrible. Honor made. Except O N O R dash M A I D. Anyway, but one of the most popular products was this liquid concentrated fruit drink called Fruit Smack, where you just would take this and you would add sugar and water. Sound familiar? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Add sugar and water. But the problem was it was being sent by mail. So it was heavy and expensive and broke. Now, Edwin was a big fan of Jell-O. So he looked over at Jell-O, and that was the inspiration for the creating of Kool-Aid. So they basically took this idea, Fruit Smack, and made a powdered version of it, which is Kool-Aid. And this was introduced in 1927. 
So it's kind of interesting that he saw another product and took the inspiration from that product. And he did this a couple more times through his career. So in 1927, they're introducing Kool-Aid. And at that time, grocery stores were becoming popular. Grocery stores were kind of replacing the old general store. And grocery stores did things a little bit differently. They bought from a wholesaler. So Edwin decided he wanted to distribute Kool-Aid to grocery stores through wholesalers. So the first thing you need to do is you need to convince a broker. So there's the wholesaler and then there's the broker. And the broker is the person who goes into the store and says, hey, here's the products you should sell of the wholesalers. You've got to convince a wholesaler to carry it and a broker to promote it to the grocery store. So you're like two or three layers removed from your customers. Now. Yeah, yeah. So what he did for these brokers and jobbers, what he did is he created these sales sheets and manuals to help them sell the product. And that's where most people would stop. It would be like today saying, hey, I got the product in the Walmart. I got the product in the Costco. We got our distribution channels and let's let that take care of it, right? Let's stop and let the good times roll. But Edwin knew for this to be successful, he needed to get consumers to buy it. You got to get them asking for it, right? Yes. And so he uses experience from the general stores. Remember, general stores did this great job of displaying things. And he mm -hmm. knew shelf space was valuable. So what he did is he started creating these really attractive displays. He actually called them the self-selling silent salespeople. And so he started creating these packages that would go in the store and be really attractive on the shelf space. And then in 1931, he even started advertising to the consumer directly. Because mm. to your point, Dave, if I could get somebody walking in and asking for it, it's more likely to be stocked. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. How's business? Yeah, good. Why isn't it great? Uh, we, we were growing 20, 30% every year for five years. Then we went flat in the last three. Growth used to be easy. Now, nothing we do seems to have the same effect anymore. If you're not growing, you're dying. And I can't stand to think we've hit the top and are coming back down. So you build a hell of a castle and you're worried. Maybe it's time to build an empire. Huh? What you got here won't get you to where you want to go. You need a fresh perspective. There's these guys that are looking for business owners just like you. Smart, customer focused, but with flat sales. What do they do? Build empires, but they don't work with just anyone. You have to be customer focused. So what exactly do they do? Well, some say they're marketers, but I call them crusaders. Check out their website at empirebuilderprogram.com. Like what you see, set up a meeting. Crusaders, empires, castles. I think someone's been getting so old they're medieval. Empirebuilderprogram.com. Check it out before you become a dinosaur. You mean dragon. No, I mean dinosaur. They were good too, for a while. Sure you want to be just good? Empirebuilderprogram.com. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. And at this time, they moved to Chicago, because Chicago was really coming up as being the center of the food industry, and they incorporated it as the Perkins Product Company. And one of the other things that he did at this time was he started to advertise on radio. And if we remember, radio at that time was shows, right? It was a whole right, show, yeah, it right? Yeah, would be the Kool-Aid Hour. Correct. So he created a kid's show on radio, and they were the sponsor for that show. Then they started advertising in newspapers and magazines. They created these creative in-store promotions doing cross promotions with cookie companies where they create these big displays where it's like, buy your cookies and your 
Kool-Aid, awesome things to go together because what kids yeah. need is more sugar, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and then he noticed what Cracker Jack was doing. You know where they put the little trinkets in? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And boy, did they ever discover premiums. So first they did balloons and they did free comics and they did aviation hats and they did whistles. And here's the incredible thing. Is, remember I was mentioning the book that you can get the, the Hastings Museum, the Kool-Aid yeah, book? Right. They have a whole section on trinkets and it just goes on and on and on unbelievable number of trinkets. It's actually unknown how many trinkets they did. We don't think about Kool-Aid as being an innovative company, but think about all the innovations that they did here. They went from fruit smack to a powder form to suddenly realizing, wait a minute, we want to sell through grocery stores. So to do that, what we knew is we need to help out the brokers and jobbers. So they created these very, like for the day, very innovative counter displays. And doing more to help those channels yes. promote them, right? It's this two-part thing, right? It's starting to use those channels, but then giving them the tools that they need to promote you in the stores and then sneaking around behind them and advertising direct to the public to get people to ask for it. Yeah, and then these cross promotions, and then went on the radio, and then newspaper, and then did the freemiums. Yeah. I right? mean, you get little kids asking you to buy something just so they can find out what the new toy is. Yeah. <laughs> Who yeah. learned that lesson? McDonald's. Probably learned it from Kool-Aid. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and Kool-Aid learned it from Cracker Jack. Uh-huh. But what I found remarkable as I was looking at this company was really the amount of innovation and experimentation that they did in their marketing. It was never ending. They were constantly trying different premiums and different store displays and different styles of advertising and really saw a new trend that would jump on it. You know, because we look at Kool-Aid, we think, Kool-Aid. Again, for me, it was one I got really fascinated at because of all of these different steps that they had gone through. And there was a number of different products that they experimented with as well. They had Kool-Aid ice cream at one point. Of course, that didn't go anywhere. There was a whole bunch of other things that they also went down. There was Kool-Aid pop at a certain point. So they were constantly, constantly innovating and experimenting and they'd be willing to try something. And if it didn't work, abandon it, try this other thing, but always, always being really innovative in how they approach their sales and marketing. I think what's really cool too is there are touch points both in the experience that we've all had drinking Kool-Aid as a child and the experience of watching some of this crazy over-the-top advertising and marketing as it went on. I remember fighting with my sisters over who got to drink out of the little plastic Kool-Aid cup. Right. right. We had a couple of them, but there were four kids. Right. Right. We might have had one of the pitchers too, because those were other premiums. I think you could send away for them by saving box tops and things like that. It was brilliant. And then the Kool-Aid man comes crashing through. I remember that ad. And I always liked that they had the pitcher, right? The Kool-Aid man was that crazy ass pitcher of Kool-Aid that comes busting through a wall. Yes. Right. And yet, I don't know if it was in that ad or previous ones, the face on him is always just a picture that's got a lot of condensation on it. You just draw that face on. I think what we'll do is we're going to do a future podcast just on the Kool-Aid Man. Because the Kool-Aid Man came 
after Perkins sold the company. There's a whole bunch of stuff around the Kool-Aid man that's really interesting. But Dave, you also brought up an interesting point here. On these freemiums, yes, what they were were collect X number, send it in, and you get this thing was often the way it was done. And what's really interesting when you use those types of premiums, what it also creates is this habit use, right? Like, you know, you got to do 10 pictures of it and you get it. Well, by the time you've done 10 pictures, it becomes the habit of the thing that you do around the household. Absolutely. I look at the experience too, right? We want our own kids to experience something that we had as a child. And Kool-Aid fits that so well, right? Even if you opt for the sugar-free, you're going to give your kids something that you enjoyed as a kid. I was sitting in a class last week and one of the people there was talking about how to create a great brand. And he's like, well, if we wanted to copy Coke, right? We take the color, the, is it like, he's naming like a bunch of different things, but he never once mentioned the experience that you go back to, right? You can probably think of the first time, maybe not the first time you drank Coca-Cola, but you can think of the first time it fizzed up your nose. There's these experiences that get attached to products like this that happen when we're so young. And I think that's probably why General Foods thought, you know what, this would be a good one to own. Well, and think about the recall that you had of talking about you know, fighting over the Kool-Aid cup because you wanted to drink the Kool-Aid out of the Kool-Aid cup. Just think about there's a tactile experience. There's a desire experience. Like how involved are you with Kool-Aid at that point? And we had way bigger cups, <laughs> right? It's like, it's <laughs> it is interesting, your observation on this. People forget that brands that we love and connect with, there is this emotional experience or involvement that we have with it that goes beyond just, oh, we'll copy the logo. Branding is the experience and the emotion that we have with the company. The brand, which is, you know, the visual elements and whatnot, they're just the anchor. That's all yeah, they are. Absolutely, yeah. Right? The brand is the meat to the dog, the branding is the bell. Yeah. That's what we forget. So just copying, oh, it's red, no, it's this. You're not grounding an emotional experience. You're just copying something and you're not Coke. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at the Empire Builders Podcast dot com.